Of all the energy topics we've covered in these podcasts so far, I admit that geothermal is the only one I've not been involved with before. But that doesn't mean I haven't been quietly admiring it from afar for years. It's easy to assume that geothermal is only for countries like Iceland, blessed with the perfect geology. So perhaps it may come as a surprise to know it's been used in many other less exotic locations for years. And don't just think heating, think cooling, power generation. There's a lot more to geothermal than meets the eye. Perhaps that's the problem with the rest of us finding out about it. Geothermal is underground, out of sight, so out of mind. Well, it's about time that changed. So could you explain to us what geothermal energy is and what we might use it for? Okay, so my name is Ryan Law. I am founder and managing director of Geothermal Engineering Limited. Geothermal energy is any form of energy that is obtained from beneath the surface of the earth. Now, there is everything from very shallow geothermal energy, where we might be talking only a couple of meters beneath the ground, through to some of the more advanced projects that we are involved with where we are over five kilometers beneath the ground. Most people understand, I think, the concept, you know, they may have seen volcanoes or the Blue Lagoon in Iceland, but they probably wouldn't know that a lot of the geothermal systems, there is nothing to be seen on the surface. It's both a benefit, but it's also the Achilles heel of geothermal in the sense that it's a benefit because there's no, as it were, visual impact. But it's its Achilles heel because unless you have a big sign on a building, then no one will have any idea what's going on beneath the surface. So geothermal energy is already being utilised in places like King's Cross Tube Station, Beijing Airport and even Portcullis House, a parliamentary building in Westminster. But what kind of energy is it capable of producing? So geothermal often isn't mentioned when politicians or even NGOs talk about renewable energy. But it is an enormous source of energy. And, and when I say energy, it is the whole gamut of energy. So from using cold water beneath the ground to cool buildings. And then as we move deeper, we get into realms of supplying heat to buildings. And then as we get deeper still, we get into the realms of temperatures above 100 degrees C and we can start to think about electricity generation. And just for understanding the planet that we're on, it's actually 99.9% .9 of the Earth is greater than 100 degrees C. So we are really just walking around on this very thin crust, and beneath us is effectively this boiling, molten planet with a tremendous amount of energy within it. So geothermal is, in a nutshell, everything beneath the ground but it encompasses heating, cooling and electricity generation. Nick Cameron, BP Technology Team. The benefits that it brings is very low emissions, very low footprint. The plants themselves tend to be very small. The baseload aspect that you can generate power 24 hours a day, seven days a week at a very steady, known, quantifiable rate. That's very valuable. And the aspect that it can provide low carbon heat. And there are relatively few technologies, certainly that are proven today, that can demonstrate that. 
Now, when reading about geothermal energy, you bump into phrases such as conventional and unconventional. What's that all about? Conventional geothermal systems, so that's where you have a naturally occurring source of hot water under the ground in a sandstone or a limestone with enough porosity to hold the water and enough what we call permeability that that water can flow through those formations. And so when you drill wells into it, you can retrieve, produce the hot water and you can dispose of water. Once you've cooled it down and extracted the useful energy from it, you can re-inject that water back into the reservoir. So those are conventional systems and they occur in that happy confluence of circumstances where you've got a lot of heat in the Earth's crust but somehow hasn't cemented up those rocks to the point where they don't have the porosity and the permeability. So that's conventional geothermal. And that's been developed for a hundred years or more. Unconventional geothermal is, is looking at the circumstance where you, you have the heat, but you don't have that porosity and permeability. That's actually far more widespread. That's the normal occurrence of things in, in, in the earth is that combination of the depth and the heat means that the, that the rocks are not porous or permeable. And so the enhanced geothermal systems or unconventional geothermal seeks to harness that heat basically by creating an artificial reservoir, creating some porosity, creating some permeability that one can then flow water through to extract the heat from those formations. And there's a number of different ways of doing this. In Australia, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, they had what they called the Hot Dry Rock Project. And then more recently, various companies have developed what they call closed loop systems where you say, okay, the formation's tight. I don't need the porosity and the permeability in the formation. I'm just going to use it as a heat source. And so you, you're drilling wells and you establish a circulation within that well to be heated up and to recover the heat. They're largely still in the development stage. There's a couple of demonstration projects around the world, but, but nobody's really yet cracked the nut of, of making those commercial. Either the costs are too high or the heat recovery to date has been too low. So those are still things that are being worked on. But they're hugely exciting because those are the real things that, aside from going and exploring for natural systems that we haven't yet discovered, enhanced geothermal systems offers the opportunity potentially to make geothermal scalable and to be able to go to those sources of demand and say, OK, there's a city here that needs some heat, needs some electricity. We can install this system right beneath your city to extract the heat from the earth and provide you with useful energy that we can do that at a cost that you can pay for. So let's demystify this process then. In the case of geothermal, you're extracting heat. So how does that physically happen? In geothermal, we use water as the medium, whatever temperature that water might be. And in its simplest case, we may abstract water from the ground, let's say at 80 degrees centigrade. We bring it up to the surface as water, and it's then passed through a heat exchanger. So a heat exchanger has the hot geothermal fluid on one side and it will have another fluid on the other side which might be used in your radiators. So you have a continual circuit of hot water coming up from underground, passing through the heat exchanger. So we have the hot water on one side and on the other side is the circuit for the building that then passes the hot water around the building. And it's a continual exchange of heat from one source to another. And when the heat is taken out of the ground, that water is then put back into the ground at a cooler temperature, and then it heats up naturally and we extract it again. So we have this circuit moving beneath the ground and the circuit moving above the ground in the building. And that's the sort of simplest application of extracting geothermal energy. 
It gets a bit more complex when we talk about hotter temperatures, so greater than 100 degrees C. But the basic principle is the same, that we extract water with heat in it and we take that heat out. And there's one vice versa moment to that, which is when we take water out from about 12 degrees C beneath the ground and we use it directly for cooling. But it's the same principle. Even if the water's cold, we pass it through a heat exchanger and use that energy, in this case, cold energy, to cool a building. But how is geothermal energy extracted and used for power? Mehdi Yusufov, technology analyst from BP's Technology Futures team. There are two types of geothermal energy extraction for power that is currently used in the conventional geothermal space. And it all depends on the type of resource quality, again, type of temperature that one has access to. In the regions where we can access geothermal heat at a very high temperatures, geothermal can be used to produce power through a means of flash or dry steam power plants. Essentially, the heat is enough to get the water from the reservoir at such temperature that it comes out as a steam, and that steam directly powers the turbine that then generates the power that goes into the grid. So those type of plants are more prevalent in the areas where geothermal resource is situated relatively shallow. However, if you're not blessed with the geothermal energy that lies shallow and still very hot, then in these cases you might want to put a binary plant. So binary plants can be operated at the much lower temperatures. Obviously efficiencies of those plants are less, but they can be deployed in much broader geographical areas. And this is why Binary plants are quite important technology solutions to look at and develop. The way how it works is that hot water can be produced from the reservoir, but the temperature of it is not enough to power the actual turbine. So it goes through a heat exchanger that has a working fluid in it that works on the lower boiling temperature. And that working fluid then powers the turbine. So from what we've heard so far, geothermal is an excellent way of generating electricity, heating and cooling. It's incredibly good in terms of carbon footprint and it's fairly cheap. So there's got to be a downside, hasn't there? There are always issues with every technology. And there are a couple of principal ones with geothermal. So geothermal heat pumps actually are pretty risk-free and over the long term, relatively inexpensive. However, they do have higher capital costs. So the purchaser has to deal with a much higher capital cost. As we get deeper and we start to get more complex, we enter into the realms of effectively geological risk. The geology is a mixture of science and art, and it is pretty hard to predict in advance exactly how much water will flow from a geothermal well. Everything to do with geothermal energy is about the flow of water and how much energy, therefore, we can use. So everything hinges on how much water we can get from each well. And that is quite a difficult level of risk for people to accept. Merit Brommer, Executive Director of the International Geothermal Association. 
that has been seen as a technology that worked well in certain parts of the world where we happen to sit on a hotspot, such as a volcanic basement. And I think that geographically, limitation is always a showstopper for major companies because it only serves that specific region. And hence, that lack of scalability and customization that goes with it is, I think, one of the key showstoppers for major companies. My name is John Busby, and I'm a geothermal specialist working with the British Geological Survey. There is always a, a challenge if you drill a borehole into the earth. No matter how well you think you understand the subsurface, not every borehole is going to be successful. There's all sorts of things which can go wrong. So the geothermal industry could benefit from techniques used by the oil and gas industry. Tell me more about that. There are many transferable skills that oil and gas has that can really benefit geothermal industry in reducing its cost and improving efficiency. Now, this type of advanced exploration methodologies simply do not exist in the conventional geothermal space at the moment. And just simply applying some best practices that oil and gas industry developed over many years can significantly improve the chances of success for geothermal drilling. Our modeling capability to model how flow of fluid goes through the reservoir, that actually can be transferable into geothermal and improve how one extracts energy from hot aquifers. And near nearly 40% of total cost of geothermal projects are in drilling. And oil and gas industry increasingly drilling into very difficult rocks that are very tight and complex. And that knowledge are easily transferable into geothermal as well. Those players interested in developing scalable geothermal for electricity, I definitely think that's where we need oil and gas players to come into that game. Because then we can move from being geographically limited to understanding the bigger scope and understanding how with innovative technology coming also from geothermal and oil and gas, think about drilling, think about exploring for the resources, understanding the configuration of our subsurface such to optimize the production of the fluids we want to produce. That's where I think the scale will come from if we partner with the oil and gas industry. If I look at heat, it's clearly a policy-driven incentive-needing space. And take Europe as an example. The demand for clean heat, as I quite like to call it, that really comes down to 50% of our energy consumption is in the need to create space for clean heat. And this is where politicians trying to look at how we can provide you know, clean heat, clean air to breathe by phasing out coal, by phasing out in certain instances also oil and gas and replace that with an alternative. And that means that geothermal in all its aspects can play a role. And I think that is new. That is going to be new and exciting at the same time. This challenge of taking geothermal and expanding it and making it more broadly applicable is something that we're challenging ourselves to say, well, are the skills that we have in the oil and gas business relevant to do that? 
to the mutual benefit. I mean, that could be to the benefit of BP, it could be to the benefit of the geothermal industry, and it could be to the benefit of society as a whole. If we can make this work and come up with low carbon, low cost, competitive sources of heat and base load or dispatchable power, then that's good all round. And that's that's the sort of win-win situation that we're aiming for. I think there's no one technology which is simply going to be used everywhere. But then we do need some direction because if you're going to invest in a technology in an area, you need people to take that up. We're at the beginning of the journey and it's very difficult to predict where we're going to go. But I think just leaving it up to market forces will be difficult. And I think it will need a certain amount of policy, stroke, tariff intervention in order to enable it to go ahead efficiently. The technology is out there. The technology is not different, but the circumstances, the conditions, and also what we want to do with it, with whatever we produce at service, that's completely new. So it is exciting. And at the same time, we need to prove it. Because otherwise, there will be no, let's say, concrete adding of geothermal to the grid. As Marit says, the technology is out there. But we're not seeing it, not noticing the huge potential it's offering us. So it's time we stop thinking of geothermal as something that's exclusively for locations with the kind of geology that Iceland has. And it's time to recognise that geothermal is already here for heating, for cooling and for power. There's a long way to go to improve both the efficiency and the effectiveness of the process for lower temperature locations. But keep your eye out for it, because it will happen. You won't see it's there unless you look closely. But now you're tuned into it, I bet you start to notice just how many places are already using geothermal or have plans to. Geothermal is indeed hot. This was a BB Technology Outlook production. Focus on geothermal podcast.